0: It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro.
1: Hey, hey, how's everybody doing out there? We're back, baby. We're back, WFO. We got results from the Denso Vegas 4-wide. We got Alan Reinhart, and it's going to be great. My name's Joe Costello. If you're new to WFO Radio, hello and welcome. We love NHRA, Camping World, Drag Racing. And the thing about WFO Radio, if you're just finding the show, uh, we've been here for over 10 years, longer in fact, but we bring on the winners. That's it. You win your way on the show. It's part of winning. You get a check and you get money and you get glory and you get the Wally and you get to come on WFO Radio. And for the past 10 years or so, we have had just about every winner in the Camping World Drag Racing Series. And so now that we're getting racing again, we have actual results to talk about again. We're going to do exactly that. Now, today is very special. And I need you all to be ready for this piece of information. There are going to be two, count them, two WFO radio shows today. There is this one, the one that's happening now, the one you're watching right now, whether you're watching it uh, live, getting ready for Alan Reinhardt, or whether you're an hour from now. But there will be a second one at 4 p.m. Eastern time later on today, Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern time with Flying Ryan Ayler. Today's the day that Ryan can do it. So we're going to do it. We're going to do two, two shows. We're going to see if we can build that audience for Flying Ryan, which I'm super excited to speak with Flying Ryan, because to me, he's like the disruptor in the pro-stock motorcycle category. Like he's got his own engine program and he's not Matt Smith or Vance and Hines. And what if Flying and Ryan and Bad Brad, his dad are able to create a program where they are, on the level, competing using their own stuff like that could be, you know, a game changer and uh, you know a power switch, if you will, in pro stock motorcycle. So it's got a, it's got a lot of implications. It's very cool. And even if it's not all of that, we'll be on at four o'clock with Flying Ryan. So join us again to WFO today. But you might be wondering, well, why why is all that happening? Well, I will tell you that Wednesday, tomorrow at four p.m. Eastern time. Erica going to be back on the show. And I just want to say congratulations to everybody out there. Like happy celebration for those of you who just enjoy greatly all the things that go along with Erica Enders winning in Vegas. Congratulations. And if it's you know important and significant to you out there, celebration. Erica will be joining us tomorrow, 4 p.m., Eastern time WFO and not to be outdone. What a big week. It's going to be. We're going to have Bob Tasca is going to be on Thursday at four. BT three Bob Tasca. So now, you know, the whole week, you got it all laid out. You got it all ready to go. Bob Tasca going to be on the show on Thursday. Erica going to be on on Wednesday and on uh, later on today, four o'clock flying Ryan going to be joining us. Now I do want to tell you about the people who make it possible for us to go WFO each day. And hopefully you check out the website on a regular basis, but guys like Marvin Rodak and Rodak's coffee and Look at this. I brought it into the studio again, the DR Congo organic estate. This was, I don't want to say it was smuggled out of the, out of the Congo. I don't know. I don't know any of that. I know that I can't get this stuff without Marvin. That's what I know, that he is supplying me stuff that I can't get on my own. And it's just amazing. What great coffee, and I'm enjoying it today. Next Level Stuff, 817-924-6821. That's Marvin Rodak. Also, Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. How about the Samtech grad going on and beating his boss in the Stock Eliminator final round? Uh, We'll talk about it with Alan Reinhart. But congratulations to all the Samtech grads out there. One of your own. What a great story. What a great story. Samtech.edu. And Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. Matt Hartford had a fast hot rod for the second race in a row. Just kind of got busted early. Four wide is tough. Four wide is tough. But that doesn't change the product. Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. Got a new episode of Hidden Horsepower going up at the end of this week. Tony Bischoff, the horsepower king going to be on Hidden Horsepower. You're going to love it. Hidden Horsepower can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. They've got a Facebook group. They've got a Facebook page. You can get Hidden Horsepower shirts. All of it is uh, an exercise to educate about the importance of ring seal. Over 40% of your engine's friction comes from the piston rings, and it really makes sense if you think about it. TotalSeal.com and Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, the dragster adventure for you aspiring champion drivers, or maybe you just want to have a little fun. Show up with only the clothes on your back and walk out having a great day long experience with Frank Hawley making three runs down the track, a half track, two full track passes and maybe even set up a couple of races. Pretty cool. You can also get the WFO gear at Nitro Fish Racing or on our own website, WFO If you'd like a face covering patches, stickers, all that stuff and more to come. WFO. All right. It's time to kick it out there to Tucson, Arizona, and speak with this man who got to enjoy the past couple of days in Vegas. But I'm not bitter, Alan Reinhardt. What's up, Alan? How are you?
0: Good to see. Hey, you. Hey, Joe. You didn't really miss anything in Vegas. I mean, you know, it's kind of a sleepy little burg. Um, you know, some of the casinos actually were closing early just because it was so slow. And uh, if you didn't, you didn't really miss much. My light looks I, weird, doesn't it?
1: No, I think you look I fine. It. I, I appreciate. I, we, don't you're messing with it now. Who knows? Is I, I it's great. No, you're good. You're good. I think that I just really appreciate, it. first of all, from the days of audio only, like seeing Alan's smiling face when we begin the conversation, it's great. But when you're lying to me, I can tell that's the difference. It's like, man, this uh, guy this, this is this Vegas, man. Even when it's not fun, it's super fun. But I had fun because I watch NHRA.TV. And then I watched the Fox sports one broadcast. Uh, even though you got, you know, got IndyCar on and NASCAR was on, I was locked in. I watched Ed the Outlaw Jones go up and down the track 56 times. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I learn a lot when I'm on the other end of the screen, but um, nothing like being there. So good crowd, 50% capacity, uh, but pretty much normal four wide if you're talking about top fuel with Steve Torrance winning five of the last six.
0: Yeah, he uh, seems to, for whatever reason, and I think. I think the reason is simply that he doesn't think about, you know, he, he goes to the starting line, believing he has the quickest and fastest car. And most of the time he does, and he certainly, you know, doesn't get distracted. His dad uh, made a four wide error, I guess you could call it uh, in the second round, but Steve just goes up there, does his normal routine, doesn't let anything distract him, doesn't let anything bother him. And feels like he's got the best car. And most of the time he does. So, you know, it's just, it's just business as usual for him. And I, I think that's one of the important things and, you know, one of the things I talked about at the staging seminar that we did for the alcohol cars, just, just simply don't overthink it. It's still a drag race. You still have to go down your lane as quick as you can. You still have to have a good reaction time. And if you do that, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about the rest of it.
1: Simple as that. Now, Billy leaving, and I think that might've contributed to Brittany uh, having a late light and just, uh, you know, action, reaction kind of thing, but visually, very weird to look at like one car's going the other three are sitting there it, it was um but i like it i like it i am um, uh, w- someone said last week oh they never all go down the track and that is a legit gripe right if you want to see four cars and two go down and three go down and one and four and two and three i don't know if we keep track of the stats but i think four cars went down this weekend maybe more than ever before
0: yeah there were there was a lot of uh well let's just put, put it the other way there were not a lot of aborted runs you know there's always going to be some when you're dealing with nitro you know there's going to be sometimes that they smoke the tires sometimes it's, you know somebody has a problem you know robert had a cylinder out in the opening round uh blew up pretty big but he still went down the racetrack and you know you're always going to have some of that but now you're right there were a lot of runs where there was flames up you know to the lights all four lanes and that certainly is what makes it exciting for the fans. And uh, certainly what uh, tries to keep me on my toes is I try to keep on top of exactly everything that's going on.
1: Everybody's out there checking in guys, share the show. Let's blow this thing up, man. It's Vegas. We're talking about it. Derek's out there. He's super excited. Randy saying what's up to Alan. Uh, Jay was out there. A lot of our listeners were out there cause it's an easy flying, you know, you fly into Vegas, uh, Can't wait for Flying Ryan this afternoon. Yeah, we're doing Flying Ryan at 4 o'clock today. It's going to be great. It's been like 24 hours since watching drag racing. What's up with that? Kind of cool. Uh, Two words that should not be in the same sentence, quadrant and NHRA. Yeah, I got involved in a little bit of a, first of all, I got two kind of parallel opinions. One, I'm totally over talking about the do you like it do you not like it right? Because if you don't like it, okay, whatever. We get it, man. You don't like it. You don't have to say it over and over again, but the more people don't like it. I don't know. I think I like it more because of them. I don't know. They're like driving me to like it more. You guys hate it, man. I like it more because I felt like it was visually stimulating. It's twice a year. And most importantly, what's the old adage, right? If they're not, if they're not saying anything, that's when you've got a problem. Like if they're booing you, that's great. They're cheering you. That's great. If they're not saying anything, that's the problem. Well, they're talking about it. They're always talking about it. And so that's a good thing.
0: I still find it fascinating that my most hardcore, old, line, long-time drag racing friends that will tell you over and over and over again that four-wide is a bad idea, four-wide is crazy, four-wide is this, four-wide is that, da da, da 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 But I want to see it once. And well, then come see it. And I think once you do come see it, you will probably change your opinion. Now, not necessarily, you know I've, you're not gonna get everybody, and I'm fine with that. If four wide's not your thing, that's great. We'll see you at Vegas in the fall when we come back two wide and the countdown and, and the pressure's really on. But uh, you know a lot of fans, especially the casual fans, want to come out and take a look at it. And I am a big believer that anything that gets new people to the track is a good thing. Because we've said it a hundred times. If you watch it on TV, if you haven't been out to a race in 25 years, if you had not come out and check it out. See it live and in person. And if you then decide, you know what, this isn't for me. Okay, I get it. It's not going to be for everybody. But at least come see it in person and give it a shot. And if it's not your thing, okay. Thanks for giving us a try. We appreciate you coming to take a look at it. But, you know, I've, I've, I've always had an issue with people that have to put something down in order to promote their thing. Right. You know, all, all the guys that say, you know, well, um, chocolate ice cream is great. Vanilla sucks. Well, can't you just tell me that you like chocolate? I mean, what difference does it make what you think about, If you know, chocolate is your favorite? Then that's great. I'm happy for you. But I just don't understand. You, if four wide's not your thing, that's great. Well, why don't you just tell everybody how great two wide drag racing is?
1: Yes work doubly hard to go out to the two wide drag racing which by the way you people probably haven't been to in 10 years and are still complaining about the way things were in 2004 and it's still uh, affecting your outcome yeah but uh, again we don't need to talk about it but it does get a lot of, uh, a lot of talk all right I don't want to get into the results I got uh, a lot a lot going up but 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 a very uh, un- ter- uh, terrible and unfortunate passing uh, this past week Diane O'Neill um, yep. I know. Everybody, everybody knew Die because Don is a great, fun, gregarious, lovable character trained to be that way by the United States Army. Loves drag racing and Die was by his side, you know, through this whole time and never stopped coming to the racetrack and handled a very, very challenging and difficult situation with the utmost of grace being out there watching, you know, I can think of a million people that would have been like, you know, not go to the track, stay at home, just deal with it. And, um, you know, we lost Diane this past week and it's, it's everywhere. And I want to, I just want to acknowledge Don and Diane together because they're not just, uh, you know, they're not just racers. They're, they're friends and they're like the, the spirit of the sport that we are. We talk about Lucas Oil Series racing, sportsman racing being the backbone. It's, it's not that it's Lucas Oil Series racing. It's people like Don and Diane who are going to go and be with their friends and their family and their extended family and spend money to do it and try so hard, even in the most challenging of situations. And I know you guys played the attention in the pits and my phone exploded with people, just hundreds of people like, the, you know, they you guys took some time to do that. And I want to thank you for doing that and sharing that story and just, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a saga. Um, but the drag racing community, I think is, is, is rallying together and Don, you know, the next time I can see a man, I'm going to give him the biggest hug in the world, but tough deal shadow hanging over.
0: It's it's difficult. And there's just no good way. I mean, you know, it wasn't like it was a shock, you know, she was, she was battling cancer, She was, a, and the day was coming, but it's still just an awful day when it happens, the day that you know you're never going to get to see that person anymore. And from my standpoint, you know, the NHRA family is my family. You know, my parents have both passed. I don't have, uh, don't have a wife, don't have siblings that I, you know, keep in touch with or do. And so that's where I want to be anytime there's some kind of a, if there's a bad thing, if there's a, I need my family, that's NHRA. And I think that Don and Dye felt exactly the same way. And that's why she wanted to continue coming to the race one, because that was her support group. That was her staff. And it's exactly the same way for Don. You know, when Somebody goes through something like that, uh, having the support of everybody basically in the pits there, you know, hey, man, if you need something, or hey, if you just want to talk to somebody, or hey, if you don't want to be alone, I'll just sit here on the couch and, and we'll sit here. Uh, you know, you need to have that support group. And that's what the NHRA family is. And, yeah. you know, Don will pick up and he'll carry on because that's what he does. And he'll know that if he you know, ever has a bad day, ever needs anything, that his extended family is all here for
1: him. Hey, well, exactly. And um, it's probably going to be the toughest of times for Don. But uh, as much as we can be here for Don being thousands of miles away, uh, we're going to do that. But I, I just wanted to take a moment to think about that because it's it's one of those that just drop like a hammer on everybody. And like you said, we all knew the situation, and uh, it's just very tough stuff. But what do drag racers do, right? They go race, and I know that's what Di would like, and Don especially. Cam was out there, and uh, you a know, great race happened, and, and more will happen. All right, let's dive into um, some specific results. Uh, talking about Brittany Force as the number one qualifier, some strong performances, but at the end of the day, it was kind of a short day for John Force Racing. Steve-O gets around Cam uh, and uh, Greg Carrillo along with Leah to advance to the second quad. Uh, Good racing all day long, though. Good to see Antron Mm -hmm. Brown is back in the mix and uh, all these different things going on. Uh, Final round, though, you got AB, you got Clay sporting the Denzo colors. You got Doug Coletta and Steve-O over there in lanes one and two. And I'm feeling like there's a championship battle once again, right? Slugfest. And it's Steve Torrance on a weekend that his he's got a new baby comes into the world. It's his mom's birthday and his birthday. And Dominic is at the track at the same time. If anybody picked against Steve Torrance, man, you're not reading the emotions of the cosmic energy very well.
0: Yeah, I think he definitely had, uh, had plenty of karma on his side. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, you certainly wouldn't want to disappoint mama K on her birthday. You don't want to disappoint mama K any day, but certainly not on her birthday. And the guys came through. You know, they had a really good car. Uh, Brittany's wiping the number one spot from him on Saturday in, in the last qualifying session. Uh, I think that just motivated him even more if, if they needed it. You know, they they had been the number one car after the first session and after the second session. And then again, Brittany came in and stole it in the last session. And I honestly believe that, you know, that that just motivates Steve. You know, we all know that he and Brittany have a little bit of a personal rivalry. I mean, not that anybody would run anybody over on the sidewalk, but, you know, they definitely like tweaking each other and, and stealing stuff from each other and beating each other. So I guarantee you, you know, Brittany liked the fact that she beat Steve out of the number one spot way more than if it had been anybody else. But then for Steve, the fact that it was Brittany, I really think motivates him even more. You know, if it had been clay that went number one, if it had been Doug that went number one. Okay. But it's Brittany. And so if there's anything that's going to make his team go, all right, well, we'll show them on Sunday. And that's exactly what they did.
1: Yes. And and Steve, uh, you know, wherever it was, I guess it was at the Gator Nationals. And I'm confused where he stole it from her in reverse like that. uh, He got out of the car and was overwhelmed with just energy. And he just started to talk. And you know how that is with Steve. Sometimes it's bad. But and then he comes down and he know, oh, man, you know, I'm just trying to get something going, man. I'm super happy to be back in the car. I'm fired up about this. Like I just got out of this thing. Uh, but you know, Steve's going to be a different guy now that he's a dad, he's going to be a totally different guy. It's going to be fun, but I love that he doesn't lose that on track intensity.
0: Yeah, I hope not. And I, you know, I want people to pick a side. If everybody gets out of the car and hugs, and they're all then, you know, that you're not, you're not engaging the fans to root for somebody or the other. If you're a Steve Torrance fan, then I want you to be excited when he beats Britney. If you're a Britney fan, I want you to go, okay, come on, knock those Capco boys down a peg. I want you to care about the races. I don't care which side you're on. I just want you to be on a side. And, you know, exactly like what you said at the top of the show, it's when they're not talking. You know, if if you and I race each other and the fans all go, okay, who's next? Yeah, That's not good for us. It's not good for our sponsor, not good for anybody. But if the fans are up there going, okay, get Joe and Al out of the way, because I want to see Brittany kick Steve's ass, or I want to see you know, Steve just crush her, you need that. You want the fans to be engaged. You want them to care about what you're doing. And that every time that any kind of like any dust-up or something and social media lights up and then everybody goes, well, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. We love those. You're blowing it. You know? Can you imagine? Think about how right. popular Dale Earnhardt was. Think about how much money he made, how much he got for his sponsors, how many people were GM performance part sponsors because they were supporting their guy. And can you imagine him ever saying, Oh, well, you know, I want to apologize to Jeff Gordon. I didn't mean to. Are you kidding me? No, you need to have the fan. They've got to have something to root for. And if you've got a rivalry on track, and, you know, and, and I'm not saying everybody hates it. We all know that Steve and Anton are really good buds. That's great. When those guys race, it's two good friends going head to head. But I want the rivalries. You know, if you're, if you work in the automotive service field and you buy Mac tools, aren't you pulling for Doug when he goes up against Antron? Absolutely.
1: I'm connected. I'm feeling it. That's my stuff, man. I'm into it. I want to be part of, people want to be a part of something.
0: And that's what you need. You need to have, you know, you need to have the fans engaged. I want the fans to care. And, you know, I used to tell people all the time, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to throw shade on anybody, but if Dean Scusa and Del Worsham raced, you know, people would want to see a good race. or they want somebody to smoke the tires. They want, but not a whole lot of people were really, you know, I hate that guy or I. But when John Force raced Whit Baysmore, yeah, everybody in the stands wanted somebody to get their butt handed to them, and that engages the fans, and that's an important part of sports. I don't care what the sport is you know, if it's football, if it's basketball, if it's, if, you know, everybody either wants to see the Yankees kick butt or they want to see the Yankees go, you know, 25 and 140. That's what they want, but you are engaged. And that's what, that's what every sport needs. You need to have a rivalries. You need to have the fans get engaged about my guy is going to kick your guy's tail or my girl is going to send your guys home. You just need that. And, I hope it stays. I hope it, I, I would like to see more of it. And it doesn't have to be disrespectful. No. My well, sponsor no. pays me to make sure that guy loses. That's why I'm here. I want to make sure he loses because my sponsor doesn't want his sponsor on TV. Who have you disrespected? But you have at least hopefully engaged some of the casual fans to understand that we do care about this. It's not, you know, like, Oh, those are great guys. We love those guys. We had dinner with them last night. We'll get them next week. And you know, we want to wish yeah. them the best of luck. <laughs> Tony well, Schumacher used to say, if I can't win, I hope nobody does.
1: I love it. I love it. And just uh, since you mentioned the Yankees, a couple of things, uh, the people who want to see them do terrible, they're, they're winning out right now. Not a great start for the New York Yankees. Also love Alan Reinhardt using throwing shade. Very up on the uh, the modern things. We got Wes Buck out there. What's up, Wes? How you doing? We got Michael Heiner who had a good weekend out there. We'll be talking about Mike Heiner in a little bit. But Derek has a quick question about top fuel and Billy red lighting. And I, maybe other people have this question. Uh, when Billy red lit, why didn't it activate the green for everyone? Tree not actives. But, well, because that's not how it works.
0: Billy left before the tree fire. Billy leaving does not fire the tree. And the fact that Billy took off early does not mean nobody else can red light. You still have to wait for the tree. And so that's, you know, that was the situation. It, it would have been the same in a two wide race. If somebody pulls up, hits a gas and goes, the tree still will have to go through its normal routine before it sends the other car down the racetrack. And that's exactly what happened.
1: Exactly. Oh, Jan Peterson out there saw a great picture of that GTO up on NHRA social media. Top Fuel 173 wants to know this, Alan, and I don't, I don't know about this too much, so maybe you know. What's your take on Marcus calling him out on Twitter? No, I'm good. But I mean, I don't even know what it is. I know that uh, he, he, I saw a tweet of his that he wants to become an announcer, and yep. I, I was like, "Hey, track down Alan Reinhardt and WFO." Joe. I threw myself in on there. I was kind of a little self-serving, but um, which and, I and I part
0: back that he's welcome in my office anytime. I told him I'd even get him VIP parking if he needed the help.
1: There you go. But what's the genesis of that though? Where'd that come from?
0: It's all good. But in the first qualifying session, when the bikes are on the racetrack, you've done the four wide stuff, and you know the announcer screen is different. The thing is, everything is different. Oh my God! Totally. I freely admit that I was not my usual bouncy, enthusiastic self in the first qualifying session because I was getting reacclimated with the whole deal. The when Matt Smith went to the number one qualifying spot, it was uh, let's just say it wasn't my most enthusiastic, wild look at him go type of call. And, uh, it came across that way. And when, uh, I guess Marcus, uh, heard the audio and went, yo, dude, come on, liven up a little bit and but all good. All good.
1: I think it's great based on what we were just talking. You're having a personal interaction with Marcus Limonis and I think it's great. And, uh, all joking aside, I'm going to take full screen here, Alan, you please stand by right yeah. there, but. The announcer screen for four wide drag racing is nearly impossible to decipher. For those of you out there who have never seen the announcer screen for four wide drag racing, it is not easy. They had to take all the data for everyone, four cars, and combine it into this crazy screen. And the first time you've seen it, it will mess you up. And so this is a public service announcement from me who has seen the screen. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't talk. I'm
0: back, Alan. It's fine, and it was it was the first qualifying session, and obviously the motorcycles were leading off the first qualifying session, and yeah. it just took a minute to get reacclimated with, and that's 100% on me. But you also have to remember, we haven't seen 4 white in over a year. They yeah. both canceled last year due to the pandemic, and so it took me a couple of minutes to get reacclimated with the screen, so I knew... Where I was getting my information from and it's it's as simple as that and uh you know what if that's my worst qualifying call this year it's going to be the best year i ever had and okay. and i'm fine and if you know and if marcus wants to shoot me another note and say hey dude this that whether it's whether it's good or bad bring it i uh i welcome constrictive constructive criticism um you know if, if you're just going to send me an email that says you suck Okay. <laughs> Delete. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if somebody wants to, if somebody wants to offer constructive criticism, I get plenty of it. My email announcer at NHRA.com.
1: Right. So there's no blood feud though. We're not, we're not no. in a blood feud with my, okay. All right. Good. Cause you know, blood feuds while they can be fun. They're not good. Hey, Jeron settles is out there. Hey guys, I'm glad you weren't there to see my mistake. Joe, were you there to witness Jeron's uh, horrific nightmarish mistake? Who, by the way, this guy knows how to work it on the social. This guy, make some sort of blunder and like everybody knows about it. And good job, Jerron you. That's how you do it. But if you did something good or you did something bad, they're talking about it. Did you see? Juran? I guess
0: I didn't see it. It must've been, uh, it must've taken place uh, when I was doing television or doing something else and wasn't watching the racetrack. What did he, you know, like break out on a single or do, what did he do?
1: I, uh, he says he's going to send us the video to debut okay. on WFO, and we're all going to learn from it. He's even got the in-car camera of it. My my opinion is that he started uh, he he gave up the stripe in a horrifically embarrassing way.
0: Ah, okay. All so, right.
1: which will be great to watch in car, Jerron fly airbrush, send us the the view. Um, but all right, let's move. On.
0: Let's. I can tell you. I can tell you that everybody has done that, and that doesn't matter when you do it. You know, when uh, when I was driving, when I was driving a stock eliminator car and I completely screwed up a hundred percent, I did something stupid. And everybody that came over and said, hey, we've all done that. I hope that makes you feel better. No, it doesn't make me feel better. If you did that, you're an idiot because I'm an idiot. I mean, you know, somebody I've always believed that if i go out there whatever the sporting event is and i played a lot of you know i played a lot of competitive softball i was on bowling leagues for years i was on you know i'm not an mma fighter but i'm just when i when i compete i want to win yes and i've always felt that if i go out and i perform to my ability and somebody else is better than me or somebody's more talented than me or somebody's and, and they win the contest congratulations you know nice job i'll see you next time maybe we'll, that's wonderful But if I lose because I suck, that really makes me mad. So to that point. If my bowling team loses because I shoot a 132, that really makes me mad. If we do what we're supposed to do and the other team does better, then God bless them, we'll buy them a beer. But I I don't like losing because I suck. And when I do lose because I suck, it makes me feel like an idiot. And somebody else telling me that they've done it before – just makes them an idiot.
1: So. so put it in perspective here bowling or softball or, or whatever on the Stinko meter. Uh, Geron was 10 to his opponent's 149, and he gave it back for Thou.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty bonehead, Geron. Sorry, <laughs> I, <laughs>
1: I am gonna show the world that I could see a Thou at the stripe. Oops,
0: uh, and and, you know, I've done that. I'm sure you've done it. Maybe not on that scale. But when you go down there and do that, and then what you start thinking afterwards, at least this is the way it works for me. Yeah. You know, when I hit the tree, it's like I felt like I was pretty good. You know, I'm not I'm not Pete Biondo, right? I can't, like, go with a button and go, okay, that was uh, 006. <laughs> but I felt like I was pretty good. And I get down to the other end, and I've got the guy covered, and I'm off the gas. And I'm whomping and I'm whomping and I'm off the gas and I'm off the gas and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. I try to tighten it up and I give it back. And then I look at the deal and it's like uh, down here, I think it was 10, 15 or 10, 10, whatever the, or, and I look at the deal and I ran like 10 30. And then your brain goes, you were off the gas for a half an hour. You moron. Why did you let it get that close? You know, you know that you're holding two maybe, maybe, and you want the throttle 16 times. Why did you keep going? I mean, you know, and that's the thing that just bugs me, because at that point, like, I lost because I'm an idiot. And that annoys me. You know, if I'm down there, if we're both close and I'm down there and the guy nips me, okay, I got it. But when I have to really be a bonehead to give the guy a chance, that's what annoys me. And, uh, yeah, sorry, Jaron. I mean, but you know it, right? It's not – it doesn't make it – me saying it doesn't make it any different. You I'm know it. i
1: send the video, though. I want to see the in-car. I want to see it pointed at you. I want to see you ripping the throttle, drone. I want to see all of that. Come on, do it for the entertainment value. Plus, you get at least five minutes of WFO coverage. It'll be worth it. Uh, You know, he's your U.S. Nationals runner-up. All right, back to the Camping World Drag Racing Series. Let's move over to Funny Car, uh, where, you know, Robert Height, number one qualifier. Great to see Johnny Lindbergh out there. Jason Rupert got his license. That's good. Did that on Monday. Um, what a quad, though. Uh, Funny Car. Like, what a quad. Robert Height, Cruz Pedragon, J.R. Todd, Robert and J.R. Advance. Uh, Caps, Bobby Bodie. I'm super stoked to see Bobby Bodie. You maybe didn't see it or maybe you did since the way you guys are doing top end on NHRA.TV, Bobby Bodie shouting out his fraternity brothers at college. They're all having like a party watching him drag race. That's exactly what we need. He did not advance though. Captain Bob Tasca did. Uh, John Force got through John Force, Matt Hagan and Alexis DeJoria, Tim Wilkerson all go to the second round and what like those eight cars what a slugfest. In the end, though, it was Hagen, Wilkerson, Tasca, and Caps. Tasca and Caps ran each other, all three quads. That's kind of cool. Bob Tasca wins the race. And this was a team that I had said at the start of the year, like they put together this whole thing for Ford, and you got Zippy over there and John Schaefer and all the changes and all of that. They've got to win, and they won.
0: Yep. And Bob was pretty excited about it. You know, it's been a while since he'd been in the Winter circle, and, and you know that Bob is an excitable guy anyway. You know, he is very enthusiastic. He's going to tell you that he expects to do well. He expects to, you know, he's got very high expectations, and he's got his whole team believing. That's one of his great great talents is that he can make people believe that they can maybe do better than, you know, maybe do more than they're capable of, or maybe whatever he's doing, he believes he's going to win. He believes that he's going to do it. He makes people around him believe it, and it makes them a great team. And when it does all come together on a day like that, he was real enthusiastic. You know, the fact that uh, his wife, Terry, was there, two of his boys were there. Uh, his dad was back at the racetrack, which was great to see. Uh, it wasn't probably widely publicized, but his dad had some health issues last year, and, and it was great to see him being able to be out and about, travel a little bit again. So, no, it was, it was a good day for them, and I don't, think, I don't think it was a fluke. If you look at the performance of the car, and Bob certainly was doing his job on the racetrack as well, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be a force. The the Don Schumacher wins every race era has officially passed. You know, let's I'm you know they're still certainly going to win races. Caps have got himself a great car, and Matt Hagan. I don't think there was any changes to his team, so he's still going to be there. But the the Don Schumacher domination days are over. Um, you know, we, I think we're going to see a whole lot of winners this year. I'm I expect Tim to be one of them pretty soon because he's got a great car. He actually had the quickest car in the final quad and came up on the short end of it. So uh, Tim. Tim's gonna win one of these things before
1: long. Yeah, I well, just thinking about the the story of uh, Don Schumacher sweeping funny car last year and uh, we haven't had a DSR or JFR car win yet this year. Uh, which is cool with J.R. Todd and Bob Tasca, although Bob Tasca kind of, you know, uses that equipment and runs out of that shop. It depends on how much of a stickler you want to be for my stat. But I'm excited. I love the fact that Bob Tasca is like, yeah, you know, my dad and his health, and I'm glad he's back. But Ford Mustang, baby, he, w- <laughs> he went right into his Bob Tasca mode, and he'll be on on Thursday, 4 p.m. I'm excited about it. And that's a team that, you know, I don't want to put pressure. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to do well. But if Bob Tasca can win two or three, and Tim Wilkerson can win two or three, it fundamentally changes the way the whole category is contested. That, that's what we're talking about, where the Ford guys can be like, yeah, that's my guy, like you said, and Wilkerson's guys. You know, now that Richard Hartman is the first to 300 miles per hour in the Altered, everything has changed for Tim Wilkerson and that team. I think that they're really a, a skyrocketing to the moon, and we're seeing it.
0: Well, he's had a good car for the last Couple of years, at least, maybe longer than that, and has not always gotten results, you know, commensurate with as good as his car has been. And I think that, you know, the classic, you know, we just need that one little race day break, or we just need the one time breakthrough. You know, the fact that we know we can do it isn't the same as the fact that we've done it. Look, there's proof we have accomplished this, and I think that's just what they need. They need that breakthrough win. It'll be good for everybody's morale. Obviously, it'll certainly be good for their confidence. But uh, they're in a position – they're in a really good position right now. And like I said last week, I expect Cruz to win this year, and as does he. Uh, you know, Jr. certainly looking good. John and Robert ain't going anywhere. There's, you know, Alexis has got all of the things in place to be able to come out there and win. There are a lot of cars out there that are capable of getting into the winner's circle. And people wouldn't be surprised. You know, and that's kind of what we were talking about the other day. It used to be there was maybe three or four. And, you know, everybody else would go, well, you know, okay, he got away with one or he got a break along the way or he got something. But there's 10 cars out there right now, 12 cars out there that wouldn't be a surprise to see him in the winner circle. Uh, They just got to put it together on Sunday. The
1: thing is, this is the second race of the year, but it's really not even the second race of the year. It's the first four wide of the year. We haven't built that flow, the momentum that we need where we can really start to see what's what, who's who. And all of that, Robert height with a big boomer. That was kind of a, we've seen scarier crashes, but that one, the way the body like split and ended up down on the front tires, kind of like grinding off. That was kind of unusual. They did a great job on the uh, the TV show, Fox sports one, showing the thrash and how much work it went into it. They came back out there, but Robert was a little bit on the back foot after that. Um, but good racing, close racing. And again, a lot of cars going down. That's what we like. And that top speed three thirty-two. We need to see that. We need to see 330 every once in a while. It's just a big number.
0: Yeah, and we saw um, what what we have, four or five of them uh, in qualifying. Robert and John both did it uh, on the same quad in in final qualifying. Um, You know, Tasco going up there, of course. You know, he he was celebrating the birthday of the Mustang, which was April 17th. And even though his win technically was on April 18th, it's a birthday weekend, right? It still counts.
1: Exactly. It is a birthday weekend. It still counts. All right. Let's move over to Pro Stock. Unless you've got a final thought about, uh... yep. let's go. All right, Pro Stock. Well, so for me, you know, my fandom has kind of—I don't want to say it has eroded; it has grown. But I don't root for specific drivers. I root for great stories. And at the start of the year, and you know this—I've said it like ten times already—we're only two races in. Greg Anderson versus Erica Enders season long epic battle slug fest. The two most decorated racers that are currently in category, both with four world championships, right? Greg wins the first race. Erica wins the second race. It's shaping up to be what I'm hoping for, which is like, you know, maybe Erica wins five and Greg wins four and they're battling down to the wire. Who knows who else is going to get in? I'm not writing anybody else off, but, Erica Enders in Vegas, man, that's odds on.
0: After she almost she almost didn't qualify. You know, her first two qualifying runs, her best run was, I don't know, eight seconds or nine seconds. I mean, she squared the tire, both qualifying sessions. The first one on the one on Friday and the first one on Saturday comes up in Q3 and there were 18 or 19 cars there. It wasn't just a given that you were in, but she came up in Q3 was able to get the thing to go down the racetrack qualified in the number 13 spot. And then, you know, it was obvious from that point on that they had found it because they had a really good car on race day. Uh, You know, she won a whole shot round number one, actually beat Troy Jr. by three thousandths of a second, or the day would have had a completely different look. Uh, But, you know, had a good car and just kept going down a racetrack and doing her job. But to win from the number 13 spot is something that doesn't happen very often in pro stock. The, The winner, the vast majority of the time, comes from the top five or six in qualifying. Because if you unload with a good car on Friday and Saturday, you're able to carry that over to Sunday. It's rather unusual, not completely unheard of, but it's rather unusual for somebody to qualify in the bottom half of the field and then be able to find that performance uh, to show up on Sunday and win when you know, you're going to be running better cars all day long. Matter of fact, the last time a number 13 qualifier won pro stock was 15 years ago.
1: Got it. Wow. That's a, that's a long time. But then again, this is Erica. I love the, I love, I love to see great racers and race teams like elite. I love to see them struggle because some people might get the impression like, yeah, man, this is easy. You bring the car up there, you point it that way, you step on the gas, it goes, uh, a number comes up. And to hear they played the radio communication on television, uh, to hear struggle and then rebound, it made the story so much better uh, to see them go through that. And to think about the competition and the battles, um, you know, that uh, Aaron Stanfield, Looking really good. I hope uh, everyone knows that Aaron, you know Aaron Stanfield has been like a pick for breakout success at some point for from WFO Radio listeners for a long time. But the final round, you've got uh, Aaron Stanfield, you've got Erica, you've got Derek Kramer, and you've got Chris McGahey. Shout out to Derek Kramer version. and Mike. What's that, Mason? Excuse me. I I got, my, I got my light right in front of the word Chris on that. Yeah, Mason, who. Those kids don't care. Remember when you said Ricky don't care? Kids don't care. They are out to just cut throats out on the starting line. Mason McGahey is one of them.
0: And, you know, he's made a living with his foot all day long. And I'm talking about his clutch foot. In the final he got a little too amped up and went red by 9,000 took himself out of it. But, uh, no, that guy has, has certainly shown he's for real. There's an interesting uh, interesting interview with Greg Anderson that's on Competition Plus right now where he talks about the fact that, you know, he looks around and sees all this young talent in class right now. And one thing that's different now from when Greg broke in is that now you can be 20 years old and get first rate equipment because you can lease from KB or from, you know, McGahey's doing a heck of a job with their stuff and obviously elite, but a 20 year old kid back then when Greg was getting into it and he wasn't exactly 20 years old, but you get what I mean you didn't have access to the same horsepower that Warren Johnson had or the same horsepower that, you know, Dick Maskin had, you, it just didn't happen. You know, you had to try to work your way up, prove yourself, do whatever, do your own engines, do whatever you needed to do. And there were plenty of guys out there then that had plenty of talent, didn't have plenty of power. Well now those young guys have got first rate equipment and they have got top notch power and they are out there putting it to use on a very regular basis. And it just makes the class so much more fun right now. You know, Warren Johnson, and again, I'm not throwing shade. Warren Johnson would tell you point blank that driving was not his strong suit, and it didn't need to be. His his whole program was, I am going to make so much power, and my car is going to be so fast that I don't have to be the world's greatest starting line driver. I'm just going to drive by you. And he did, 97 times, basically. But that has changed now. You know, if Warren Johnson had been supplying identical horsepower to 10 other drivers out there, he would have then had to have been, he would have had to make himself a great driver or put somebody in a car who was a great driver because he was basically giving away his advantage of horsepower simply by supplying it to other teams. Well, that's what's happening right now. You know, KB Racing certainly could go, okay, you know what? Forget it. Forget the leasing program. Uh, we're just going to do everything. We're going to run Greg's car, and that's it. And Elite could do exactly the same thing if they wanted to. McGehee could do exactly the same thing. Now you have three people that are going to be head and shoulders above the class until everybody else puts together an engine program or finds some horsepower, or does whatever they need to do. And that's the way it used to be. You know, For how many years you could not win a championship and you probably wouldn't win a race if you didn't have your own engine program. Because the guys that had the engines would not let their secrets get out of their building. You know, if they had a three or four hundreds advantage or, you know, you look back in Bob Glidden's heyday, there were times he had a temp on the field and he certainly wasn't giving motors to somebody else. He was out there to win, but it's so different right now. And the young talent that's coming into the category that has access to that top tier equipment and top tier horsepower is what makes Pro Stock very exciting to watch right now. And even, you know, I, I shouldn't leave out Frank Antonio. He's making some really good steam right now with his yes. engines. And, you know, between Kenny Delco, Val Smealand, and the Quadra family, that's five cars that he is able to learn from, that he is able to get information from, that he is able to continue to keep his program moving forward. And it's just it's a great time to be a pro stock fan because there there are so many people who can win. You know, I I was a huge Bob Glidden fan. I'm a Ford guy. Right. Bob Glidden was my guy for so many years. I got to know Warren very well on a a personal level and away from the racetrack and through all the years that we had the professional relationship. Love the guy. Absolutely love the guy. But pro stock is more fun when you don't know who's going to win when you go to the race. When you go to the races and you go, okay, well, you know, either Warren's going to win or Bob's going to win and if something else happens, wow, that'll be a surprise. It's not as much fun to watch as it is now. When you go to the races and go, okay, Joe's pretty good. Alan qualified 10th, but you know what? If he gets and a half on the tree, he's still got a chance to win the tricks. And it's just so much more fun to watch, at least in my mind. And
1: the kids can go double O when they want. Like Mason can, he stepped over the line a little bit, and Dallas Glenn can do it as well. The problem is, we got to keep them out there. And that's, what we're we're seeing, you know, you look at the Cup Series and Alex Bowman and William Byron, the the uh, what I would call the equivalents, right? These young kids that way back in the day they weren't getting these opportunities, and now they are. But the difference is that's a multi million dollar sponsorship sport. And if Mister Hendrick says this is the guy, then he's the guy. Like Dallas Glenn has got a limited deal. The kid can clearly drive. He's got some star power. He knows how to do an interview. He's fun. And I like, I would love to become a Dallas Glenn fan and buy all the gear and get in on go all in and have a guy, except guess what? Is he going to be there? Well, we don't know. We don't know if he's going to be there. Same thing with, you know, Aaron Stanfield. How long are they going to be there? How long can they hang on now? Mason McGay, will be there as long as Chris wants to be there. And that's the challenge with our sport. I also love the elite KB battle like elite, not, you know, knocked around KB a little bit this past weekend in those head to head flagship races, the two elite cars advanced, I think that's something worth talking about. Like Dallas and Greg went into a into a brawl against Aaron Stanfield and Erica, and came out and busted up, and they went on and won the race. Like that's that's interesting to me. And and regarding Frank Iaconio, I feel like boy, if they can keep it going for another, you know, another season, they need more time. They're going to be wrecking some shop. They will be another fourth uh, superpower. Fernando Quadro keeps his nose on this thing.
0: Well, I can tell you that you know for guys like Dallas Glenn, you know the roadmap is there. If you are trying to figure out, what to do,
1: we, just, we just lost him. We just lost you. That the normal, the thing you got the deal. You know what happens? This isn't. This is normal. You gotta. Oh man, okay, he's gonna click out. He's gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna lose Reinhardt. There he goes. Hey Lee, how you doing? Aaron's worst light of the weekend was O thirty eight. I'm not partial or anything. Says uh, Mrs. Stanfield. What's up, Jolie? Jolie texting me during the race. And I wasn't there, but, you know, it is what it is. That's the thing. Like, okay, man, let's get some money in here. Let's get these guys going. Let's be able to lock down the next year or two of Pro Stock and watch the show. Except the show isn't there yet. It's like, well, will they be there? What are they going to do? I don't know. This kid, this kid, they're all good. They're little robots is what they are. Not so much Dallas Glenn. Who has been working as a crew guy? And Aaron Stanfield is a child prodigy. Um, and and you know Mason, like, how do you not be ready to go out there and rip throats out when your dad is Chris McGeehey? And Mason wants to rep his fam, and you know, like, all of that. We just got to give him the stage. Meanwhile, Mike and Michael Heiner is like, "Hey, man, what about me? It wasn't me. I do not disturb." Uh, Alan's getting blasted. Yeah. Alan hates the do not disturb on his Android phone, but will he get an iPhone? No, he will not. That is the thing. Great job, Michael Heiner, by the way, love seeing Michael Heiner out there doing a great job. Derek Kramer and that get biofuel Camaro, uh, holding it down for the KB racing team. Michael Heiner, Alan, are you back? He's now back.
0: I hope so. Yeah. Somebody's going to have to explain to me. And I mean, I've talked about this before, but my stupid Android phone, <laughs> I put it on do not disturb. Yes. When somebody calls me in my earbuds, I get a little chirp, incoming call, incoming call, and it shuts my audio down. I can't answer the phone because my phone is on do not disturb. When I went try tried to answer the call, it says, you know, you must turn off do not disturb. Well, then why the hell did it interrupt my broadcast? If do not disturb should mean do not disturb. Anyway, yeah. What was it? so? Android. You know, Dear whoever invented do not disturb for Android, if I ever meet you, I'm going to kick you in the shin.
1: Yes. Um,
0: The roadmap, the roadmap is there. Look what Alex Laughlin has done.
1: Yes. You know,
0: this is a guy who goes out and beats the bushes and hustles and gets, you know, and he's rewrapping his car, you know, every month. But that's what he has had to do in order to find the sponsorship to be able to stay out there. He didn't go to one company and say, hey, look, guys, give me big money and I'll be there. He went to a lot of different people and said, look, I can help you in this market or I can do this for you or we can make this happen. We can fit your budget and it, it can be done. I mean, Alex Laughlin is living proof and he's been doing it for a while. The issue for a guy like Dallas Glenn is that his job is actually working in the pro stock shop. It's working on the card. It's working. So I don't know that he can dedicate the time that Alex does. And, you know, it's it's certainly we've seen people do it. And it's not just in pro stock, you know, look at, look at what Leah has had to go through. Um, you know, she didn't have full-time sponsorship, but she's able to go out there. She's able to work with the folks that like sparkling ice. And, you know, obviously Mopar has been a big supporter of hers for a while. Penzoil has been a big supporter of hers for a while, but she is also constantly on the phone and beating the bushes and taking meetings and listening to people and doing proposals, knowing that part of her responsibility is to be able to help generate sponsorship dollars to keep that car out there. You know, it's not just a matter of she just has to show up on Friday with her helmet bag and be ready to race. She has to go out there and do things, whether it's doing a commercial for Pennzoil, whether it's shooting something with Richard Rollins for the guys at Mopar, whether it's, you know, go out testing the Hellcat because they want her to do it. They want to be able to say our top fuel driver is doing this. That's all part of her job and her responsibility that keeps the sponsorship rolling for the top fuel car. And it takes some effort. But it certainly can be done. And again, I think Alex Laughlin is living proof that he has gone out, knocked on doors, you know, made calls done, and is able to put together a program to keep himself out there. It ain't easy, but it can be done.
1: It can be done. And you have to be personable and you have to reach out beyond your uh, universe. And, uh, you know, the Dallas Glenn interview, I always guess we know these guys. Right. And you know them in a, in a way. But now they're being asked to be something different right now you have to get bigger than what you were as a crew member, uh, or Aaron Stanfield. Like you're, you are courting thousands of people to follow you in your journey through this whole experience and are they going to root for you? Or are they going to root against you? Or are you going to say something that's going to make them like you? Like we were talking and make some say something by accident that you didn't expect that's going to make them hate you and be the guy rooting against you. Like all of that has to be thought about at very least. Of course, you can just be yourself unless you're boring, which is not a good thing. Um, but, you know, they both did good. And that's that's the thing. They they are, are doing well. So Erica running in a red car, cashes in in Vegas. Big victory for E. Uh, and uh, I'm just super excited. She has been so good in Vegas. And to to turn that story, to complete the story from struggles in qualifying to a great victory. Uh, that is a good one. Before we move on from Pro Stock, though, I just want to say something. I want to put it out there. I know it's not possible. I know what I'm saying is not going to happen. But we're about to go to the final Southern Nationals at Atlanta Dragway in two weeks. The aforementioned professor of pro stock, Warren Johnson. Wouldn't it be just nice to see Warren out there trying to qualify, even if he didn't? I know he's not going to do it, but he's been teasing us. I've got the car and I got the fuel injection and it's all set up and it's ready to go to the racetrack. If I get his spot, like, come on, Warren, do it. That's all. That's all I got.
0: I'd be all for it. I think it'd be cool to see him on the racetrack one last time, especially, you know, his home racetrack with the following he's got there. I would think you could find somebody who would pitch a couple of bucks out there because Warren has made, and I've talked to him about it, you know, he's made no bones about it. You know, he doesn't race for fun. He doesn't race for a hobby. It's his job. And when he's not racing, he's in the shop. He's building engines for other people. He's doing R&D work. He still does a lot of things that just like ridiculous stuff that most people probably don't even know. But his job is making horsepower. And when his job was driving a race car, then he drove the race car. So if somebody were to kick a couple of bucks his way and say, hey, Warren, we would like to hire you for the weekend. He's not going to go do it just to go do it. But I do believe... That he could be, you know, you could hire him on a one weekend basis and have him represent your company. I guarantee you, you get plenty of coverage on that last weekend uh, down there well, in Atlanta.
1: Well, exactly. Okay. Is it a gimmick? I don't know if it's a gimmick. Whatever it is, it is. This is the final Southern Nationals at Atlanta Dragway, right very near the professor. Why wouldn't we? Why would? I mean, I know it's late in the going, but man, and that race is going to be so great. We're going to talk about it Tomorrow the last Southern nationals. It's going to be awesome. All right. So I've got it all figured out. We got flying Ryan going to be on later today. We're going live awesome. again at four o'clock. So hopefully everybody will be joined, but I got the secret, Alan, I got it all figured out the secret to winning in pro stock motorcycle. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. The secret to winning in pro stock motorcycle in 2021 is you've got to go into the sand trap in the first qualifying session. That's, That's it. it. Huh? That's it. You go in the sand, you win the race. Now, the evidence is limited. There's only two races, but Matt Smith, Gainesville, Sandtrap, victory. Flying Ryan, Vegas, Sandtrap, victory.
0: Yeah, I actually uh, was chit-chatting with somebody on Sunday about that, and uh, I told him, I said, well, you know, I said, you know he did it on purpose, right? And the guy said, what? And I said, oh, yeah, it's like the oldest pro-stock motorcycle trick in the book. You go out and you look at the good qualifying session. You take all the weight off the thing so you can go out there and haul ash. You make a good run. You qualify two or three, but you know you're going to get thrown out of the scale. So you take it to the beach. And then while they're dragging it out, you just, like, load the cowling up with rocks. You go across the scales. Go, okay, I'm good. And then go dump all the stuff off. And then you get ready to race the rest of the weekend. Wow. Really? (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) I don't know, Alan. I don't I mean, know that your mind goes to a place like that. Shows a little uh, devious nature there, because that's a good
0: ah. That's just getting competitive. That's yeah. just getting competitive. Exactly. Now yeah. Ryan, uh, you know Ryan did a nice job, and I spoke to him a little bit on Sunday afternoon, and, and you know he has got a huge personality. You know, you talk about one, and you called him the disruptor at the beginning of the show. I think he loves it. You know, he his goal is to go out there and just annoy everybody else with a pro stock motorcycle. He doesn't care who they are, and he doesn't care. You know, he doesn't need to get engines from anybody else. They do their own. He doesn't need anybody else's support. They, you know, and and if he can go out there and piss somebody off, good. That's you know, kind of what he's there for. And I think his mentality is that he's going to worry about his program. He doesn't care what anybody else is doing. But if he can get them thinking about him, then that's distracting from their program. We've seen that so many times. Sometimes it's just like a psychological thing. You know, you go back to the terrible towel or some of the other stuff that. The racing has that there really wasn't anything there, but you get inside your opponent's head. And if you get inside your opponent's head, that's an advantage. No, I don't care what your sport is. That's an advantage.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I think it's great. I, it's kind of interesting to watch fly and Ryan because I wrote, I was there and I, I told the Patreons about it this week on our special Patreon show that um, his first qualifying session at Gainesville a couple of years ago, I know he had run Chicago, I think prior to that, but, He's the new guy at school and you could see like everybody else knows each other. These people have been racing against each other for a long time, but he was the new guy at school. Like, you know, hey, guys, uh, hey, I I had a good run, guys. And they were like, you know, it's just about the way you get to know people. The first time you interact with a group of people, it's not going to be the same as when everybody knows you. And so I watched that. And here I am kind of a new guy as well. Like, boy, man, this guy is new, obviously. And to think how he's been just working his program, building his own engines. They've got their own thing. They're away from everybody else. And now they're winning races. And he looks into the camera and he says more to come. I like that kind of confidence.
0: Yeah, I do too. And I, again, I think, you know, you need to be confident if you're going to do this. And the fact that he's not afraid to ruffle a few feathers is good too. You know, if, if a natural rivalry develops and i you know i i never want to just make something out of thin air but you know if a natural rivalry develops let it go let's have some fun with it you know make people care about when the motorcycles come up and when you're racing him or when she's racing her or whatever the situation is but make people care about it you know the the hectors versus the harleys was one of the greatest eras in pro stock motorcycle because every time they came up to the line People cared about who won. You wanted your guy to kick the other guy's butt, whichever side you're on, and that's what they need. And if Ryan wants to be that guy, then bring it. And it looks like he's got the performance. He certainly has got the swagger, and I, you know, he he don't look like he's going to be slowing down anytime soon to me. When he came up into the press room and did his uh, his appearance after the race, he stopped into the announcer booth and we chit chatted a little bit. And like you said, you know, very confident. He's, you know, likes where they are thinks that they've still got some areas to improve and is going to be working hard at it. And he said, point blank, he said, I don't care if I irritate people. I don't care. That's what I'm here for. So good on him. Yeah. and
1: he's not like irritating guy. It's just that this is a new person and he's taking things that we're used to getting, you know, it's not Vance and Hines and it's not Matt Smith. It's this new entity. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are in like, Oh, there's a new guy. Let's uh, let's see what we can do. Um, Scotty Polichek going red in the final. That was a bit of a bummer for Scotty. Honestly, when Steve Johnson, I would love to see Steve Johnson get a win somewhere, somehow, as soon as is possible, to just break through for Steve, to close the circle on the story of struggles and uh, showing up with a tag-along trailer and jock and all of that. Like, come on, let's get Steve a win. And he was there in the final round and it didn't work out in this case. But, um, you know, Flying Ryan, great representative. Angie, by the way, says she's going in the sand, uh, Q one on sun on, uh, going in Q one on, uh, at Atlanta. She's going to make it three for three. Well, there we go. There it is. There it is. I like it. Any final thoughts on pro stock motorcycle? Anything we did not, uh, cover necessarily.
0: No, nah, it was, it was good to see Chip Ellis out there. He was able to put together a deal with, uh, the one 900 folks and, or, or the one ninety uh, folks and, they're a motorcycle. You can find them online. They're a, a high-performance motorcycle warehouse of sales parts, and they brought him out there, and he had a nice showing out there. So, you, you know, Chip Chip is one of those guys just happy to be there, right, and, and had pretty good equipment, and so, uh, you know, good for him. It's good to see him back out there. But, now we'll uh, look forward to seeing when we get back on the East Coast, and uh, hopefully the rest of the field comes back. You know, we'll see Gianna Salinas hopefully come back and some of the other bikes that opted not to make the trip out to uh, Las Vegas.
1: Yeah, it's all hands on deck now, everybody. I I think that if you are, you know, in in pandemic uh, talk, since we've all lived together on this subject for so long, uh, 16 and up can get the vaccine now anywhere in the country, as I understand it, has been mandated. And so, like, this is it. We, you know, we want to keep this sport going. We've been talking all this time about how great it would be if we could get out, like, okay, go racing now. Time to go racing. We're going to Atlanta. We're going to Charlotte. We're going to Houston. It's time to go racing. If you've got a race car, if you've got a race team, if you've got the health and the financial ability to do it, no reason to wait. Let's go. Let's go racing. Let's build this sport and do as good as it can possibly be, uh, in my opinion. Other winners. So we both took Jackie Frick, Sean Cowie. She got to the final. Sean Cowie wins in top alcohol dragster. Huge victory. Remember, his crew guy was uh, on our chat last week telling us how amped up they were to go racing. Clearly, it worked out. Doug Gordon in top alcohol funny car. Uh, you don't get it on the TV. What was it like? The four wide alcohol funny cars. What was that experience like? It turned out awesome. Like, I enjoyed it. They got some big TV time. But what was it like being there in person for the Alki cars?
0: It was actually really cool. And I I think we had to commend everybody that was there driving an alcohol car. There was not one single starting line glitch, not from the first qualifying session to the final rounds. Everybody understood the system. We did a little seminar on Thursday night, and it was very well attended. But not one single glitch with the alcohol car. So I thought, uh, you know, all the drivers should be commended for that. And then just the way the day went, you know, you look at the final rounds was like, I think a perfect, a perfect example of, of how the show went in the alcohol dragster final, all four cars ran 520 something. All four cars were over 270 miles an hour. That is a great four wide run to the lights. And then in the alcohol funny car final, Nick Janik had a problem on the starting line and ended up not being able to make the run. And if you're watching on NHRA.tv, I'm not, I don't know how much of it showed. From where I was in the tower, I couldn't tell exactly what the problem was, but they finally got—they were late getting the car started. They finally got it started. They never got the body down. They never got that, so they didn't make the run. And the other 3 Bellamere knocked the tires off. Chris Houle and, and Doug Gordon both shook and pedaled and rattled, so it was just you know a three-wide pedal fest basically. And it, you'll see on the TV show if you catch the Lucas Oil coverage from there. When Nick's car started finally, because it was really late start, and when it finally started, it went whoop, yeah, and lurched forward. On top of a crew guy's foot, and they couldn't get it off his foot. That's why he couldn't make. They couldn't push it backwards. Apparently, something happened with the reverser, that, and it was just one of those. Are you kidding me? Things. Uh, but anyway, it was just you know the the funny cars were certainly a little more wacky than the dragsters, but I think that they they both put on a pretty good show. And they uh, like said everybody did what they were supposed to do on the starting line. There were no glitches there. Uh, the performance leaders unquestionably were Sean Bellamy and Doug Gordon. But uh, Doug Gordon picked up the win, and he was pretty excited about it. You know, obviously the first four wide—that's a little piece of history, and everybody knows the Gordon story, right? I mean, his mom, his dad, his teenage daughters that work on the car, and and that you know, it's it's about as much of a as a family race team as you could possibly have. And when they're out there doing well, it, uh, it's just it's fun to watch. You know, well, they, the enthusiasm. They
1: got a great write-up somewhere. Um they got a great write-up on the, on the girls like that, you know, and, and it it was so vague. It was like their local TV station. Or right? like these two high school girls and it's drag racing and they're working on cars and everything. It's so interesting because they didn't mention any sponsor. They didn't mention the name of the series. They didn't mention anything other than two 15 and 16 year old high school girls are, you know, world champions working on their dad's race car. And uh, that's a great story. That's what we need. And all those little stories, Add up to a lot of coverage. My favorite I just,
0: want, yes. I just want to talk in one thing when you talk about the girls working on the race cars because I know there are a lot of people out there that when I say, you know, hey, Doug's daughters, they're down there working, they go, okay, yeah. So what? One of them pulls the parachutes and one of them waxes the car, right? That's working on it. No, one of them pulls the oil pan and checks the bearings, and one of them runs the valves and changes foul springs. They work on the car. They right. are an integral part of the mechanical part of that stuff. And it's just it's awesome to watch.
1: Well, exactly. And, uh, I, you know, they're they're going places. And that's why we always say when the Summit Race, the Junior Dragster League comes on there, right? It's like you get involved with this sport, your kid will become a go-getter as opposed to, you know, sitting on the couch, playing a game. Like maybe you'll like that occasionally, but you cannot survive if you're not this aggressive uh, go-getter and, and figure things out. And I think...
0: The Excellent. Gordon girls this weekend will be racing at Bakersfield in their junior dragsters and junior comp car. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So it's like, okay, dad, now it's time for you to come work on our cars so we can go racing. And, uh, and again, it's just a great family dynamic.
1: Exactly. All right. Uh, stories of the weekend. Uh, Doug Gordon, Sean Cowley, of course, Joe Mazzaris winning in competition eliminator. Brad Rounds in super stock. But Connor Statler, stock eliminator. <laughs> to me... <laughs> Okay, so I know Connor as Coliner because they're two Sam Tech grads who graduated together and went to Stanfield, uh, you know, Enterprises to work for those guys. And so... Connor and Greg decide to borrow cars. They're going to go, oh, let's go to Vegas. Yeah. And they race each other in the final round. Like, wow. You got Aaron going rounds in top dragster and pro stock. You got Greg and Connor going rounds in stock eliminator. They race each other in the final round. Greg goes red. And so Connor is a stock eliminator winner in the NHRA. The Sam tech grads go crazy.
0: Yeah. The the funny thing about that, I think when I did the first round of stock eliminator qualifying on Thursday morning, you know, they're rolling out from under the arch and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and I glance up and I see the name Greg Stanfield on my screen. And I went, that's wrong. And I literally am about to go, hey, you got the wrong number and the, and then I saw the license plate on the car that said Bobby who? And I'm like, that really might be Stanfield if he's driving Bobby Brandon's car. So you look back up here and go, yep, he's driving. Okay, well, I guess he decided, tired of the kid having all the fun. And then when Connor comes up, and it's like, okay, that's fine. All right, well, I guess that makes sense now. But why wouldn't Bob, if, if if Bobby's coming out here, and then wouldn't he be in one of them? But apparently, he just like loaned the truck and trailer, and so the guys brought it out. And the fact that they raced each other in the final round was funny. Now, I don't want to put any pressure on Connor, but I thought about in the final round when Greg Stanfield went red, and then a guy driving a '69 Camaro got his first ever NHRA win. That has happened before. Do you know when?
1: I'm just going to say no because I'm so early
0: 1990s in Columbus, Ohio, Greg Stanfield went red in the final and a guy named Dan Fletcher won his first ever NHRA event in a 60 Camaro. So Connor, I'm just saying, you know, if you're the next roadmap is there, you know, you've taken the first step now, you know, 103 more and, uh,
1: yeah, this guy's the new tank Murdoch. I I love it. I, th- <laughs> I think it's great. Uh I I just the little stories like that knowing how much they put into it. Um uh Mike Miller and Supercomp Craig Maddox with the Prowler that's pretty cool in super gas. Jeff Connolly and top sportsman just got that car a couple of years ago. Things super fast. And Ryan Carlson winning in top dragster. Any final thoughts, anything that happened out there that we need to know about? Anything you want to say uh, about the Denzo, Sparkplugs, four wide nationals before we move forward to the final Southern Nationals?
0: Well, just a couple of things. You, you know, mentioned Jeff Connolly. That was his first ever national event win. And so that's extra special. And we're talking about a car. He was dialed in at like 616, 617, running 230 miles an hour all day long, bracket racing a door car. So that's a pretty impressive feat. Uh, For Mike Miller, it's 11th national event win, five of which have now been in Vegas. It's like, what is it about that place, right? I mean, it's just amazing. You know, Brad Brown's hadn't won in 15 years, so it was nice to see him get back in the winner's circle. and uh, A lot of fun. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. This is going to be it, huh?
1: Well... I, I'm trying to make this thing happen. And I guess I've made it happen. I just wasn't prepared that it was going to happen like this. So I'm sorry to cut you off. You may finish, no, your, point finish your point and finish your And then we're going to watch the flying airbrush give up the strike by 4th out when his opponent had a 179, not 149, Alan. 179 uh, reaction time. He was
0: 10. At that point, It doesn't matter.
1: It's so, so true. So go ahead, finish your point, and then we'll watch.
0: No, that's just it. I just wanted to weigh in on a couple of the sportsman racers that, you know, it's always special when you win a national event, but your first one obviously is a big deal. If you haven't won in a long time, that's a big deal. And I just wanted to give those guys a little extra shout out for that.
1: All right. And, And for those of you out there who want like a perfectly produced program, that's not this. This is dynamic and we're trying stuff right in the middle of it. Jerron Settles, the flying airbrush friend of the show, made a big stink about what a horrific error he made on the racetrack. Hundreds and hundreds of comments out there on the Facebook, and everybody wanted to see the video, and we have got the video now. A WFO exclusive. I hope it works all the way through. I'm kind of stalling a little bit to let it, like, buffer. Uh, Alan, are you ready? As long
0: as as long as long you're stalling, I think we missed rotten Ryan Carlson. Ryan Carlson, to one in top dragster. Yes. And it was his first ever national event win as well. So he drove all the way down from Washington with that loan car and uh, showed them all what's what top out, in uh, in Vortex Supercharger's top dragster. So congratulations to another first-time win. Are you Robert, buffered?
1: Um, I, I don't know. Like, like I said, we just don't know. This could get to the critical point, and it could stop, or it could work flawlessly. Who knows? We've had pretty good luck over the years. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Oh, uh, come on. Play, please play. It's not going. No, we got. We got. No, we got to watch. Here it is. All right, now we're good. It's just yeah. Camera angle. Ron, you need gloves, brother. Tightening them up.
0: And right there is going, what was I?
1: Doing? What did I do?
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, no. Now, I don't know how it was for you guys. For me, it was like starting and stopping a little bit. Yeah, we'll, get it. A little we'll, bit. we'll get it dialed in later. And now that I have it, we'll play it on the Flying Ryan show later on and we'll make sure it's all buffered out. I think my computer needs a little more horsepower to be doing all the stuff that we're doing and also playing videos. But the. uh, the, the, the look of like disbelief and dejection at the end. <laughs>
0: yep. I get it. Oh, no.
1: Oh, no. Hey, whatever. We do our best. Alan, great job as usual. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, next week, we're going to be all in on Atlanta Dragway. I would love for you to bring some of your favorite Atlanta Dragway memories to the table because this is going to be my first national event last drag race. The only last drag race I have in my life is the Miami Hollywood Speedway last drag race. You know, that I knew on my way there that this was going to be the final one.
0: Right. All right. We can do that. I wonder uh, if there's anybody in the St. Louis area. Uh, I'm going to Madison, Illinois this weekend. We've got a big regional out there at Worldwide Technology Raceways, and I do believe that uh, they are welcoming fans into the racetrack. So if you want to get out there and see some Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series stuff, come on out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Worldwide Technology Raceway, Madison, Illinois, just across the river from St. Louis.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, great great facility, great track, great... So much great because uh, like you said, you got the city there. So you got, you got the Italian food. You could go see Yogi Berra's house, uh, all those great things. Alan, great job. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks Joe. We'll talk soon.
1: There he goes. NHRA's Alan Reinhart with us here on WFO radio. And uh, I had such a great time. Yeah, sure. Four wide uh, is polarizing, but now it's 50% over. And we'll have a couple of two-wide drag races, or we'll have a two-wide drag race. We'll go back four-wide, and then it'll be done for the year. Um, but all the sub stories following online, tracking on social media—honestly, it was very challenging. Uh, you know, to to not be there because you want to be involved. Like I'm the kind of person, and I guess everybody you would think everybody is that. Just I feel like if I'm, I can be helpful. Uh, but at the same time, I used my time wisely, and I went to my Miami Hollywood Speedway. Uh, reunion slash hall of fame car show, got all kinds of photographs up from that in the WFO radio group. So if you're not a member of the WFO radio group, you definitely want to uh, ask for an invite and join. You see all those great photographs. It was very, very cool seeing the people that I raced against and, you know, won and lost against being inducted into a hall of fame. Super cool. Uh, fun times. at The Miami Hollywood speedway reunion also got to hang out with some friends and taken. NHRA.TV, which I still love the product and I'm a huge supporter of NHRA.TV. And then watching the Fox Sports One show, Brian and Tony and and Bruno and Amanda, uh, you know, watching the presentation of that is just, you know, I like to be on the other side. And so I I learned so much. Put your comments in the comment section. It could be about Jerron's epic fail or anything. We'll get that dialed in later so that it'll play smoothly. It's just a horsepower issue. I guess I need more RAM, right? I got to ram it up. Got to ram it. Um, But I do want to tell you about the people who make it possible to sit here. Like, for instance, we got Flying Ryan later on today. He's going to be on at 4 o'clock. We're going to ask him about being a disruptor. We're going to ask him about that final round, going in the trap. Angie says she's going in the trap. That's the secret. The the evidence suggests two for two. But it's all thanks to the folks at Total Seal Piston Rings. I know Hartford would have loved a better day, but. Four Wides Tough, TotalSeal.com. Check out Hidden Horsepower. And if you're building an engine, Total Seal Piston Rings. They're used by so many of the top experts out there. Tony Bischoff, going to be on the show, Hidden Horsepower, later on in the week. That new episode drops on Thursday, and they normally drop 6 a.m. So you subscribe, accept notifications, and you'll never miss one. But from Stock Eliminator all the way up to Formula One, Total seal fits the ring. Samtech.edu, again, congratulations to the Samtech grads. Connor doing a great job. And that's the pitch. They went to Samtech. They learned the trade, machining, machines. They got a job. They are working on cars. Got an opportunity to run a race, one race. What? Now, I can't promise that that's going to happen to everybody out there. It's not. But... This is a real life example. And I can tell you, I texted Brian Massengill this morning. The Sam the, 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 the Tech family, super proud. Great stuff. Congratulations. Marvin Rodak, RodaksCoffeeAndGrills.com, 817-924-6821. Go to my website or his website, hit WFORadio.com, and get in on it. This is what I am enjoying this week. You know those uh, commercials for, like, tonight, I'll be enjoying the fried chicken from so-and-so, so-and-so, right? This is the coffee I'm enjoying this week from the Congo. It's impossible to get. It's definitely not cheap, but it's exotic and it's next level. And I can't even begin to explain the amazing sensation of euphoria that you get from ordering a little Rodex coffee. 817-924-6800 two one and uh we got total seal we got sam tech we got marvin and we got frank holly's drag racing school the dragster adventure go to frank drive a dragster this year don't continue to live your life without that experience really it's something you want to do and maybe you want to get a license maybe you just want to have a good time that's all up to you frank holly's drag racing school go to frank tomorrow on wfo radio we got flying ryan later on today but tomorrow erica baby erica anders gonna be out there there's a celebration going on right now like everybody they're celebrating today it's like when erica wins it's a holiday for so many people out there erica gonna be on the show at four o'clock uh tomorrow maybe we should uh, push that back 20 minutes but it'll be interesting to see uh erica and then bob tasca gonna be on thursday very exciting. All right, final comments in the comment section. Let's see what everybody's got. then we're just going to get on out of here, and we'll try to re-rack that Jerron Settles rip video. Jerron, buddy, I think it's great. You learn nothing from winning. You learn from losing and failures, and you have to fail forward. That's what it is. Life is about experiences. You have to collect them as many experiences as you can have and failure and humiliation are part of it and if you choose to go through your life avoiding failure and humiliation and all of that you're not going to gain all of the great benefits that come along with those things and so jaron sharing the video with us and kind of putting himself out there is like yeah i made a a blunder I made a blunder, right? Good job, Jaron. Thank you for being big enough to share it with us. And what's the downside of this, right? There's a bunch of people out there that didn't know Jaron that now know Jaron and want to see him do well next time. I think, I think. Uh, so let's see. Uh, Monica says it was great to see Chris Morrell make the show for why I wish they would have shown the car a little bit more on uh, television. That thing had, uh, if they took some of the flake out of the paint, the thing would run quicker, but don't do it. Love that thing. Sparkling the way it was. Jerron just, uh, yeah. Carl says, thanks. Love the WFO patch. Says, Jeff, going to sew it on my fire jacket. Yeah, we have WFO patches now for you to sew on all the kinds of stuff that you want. We even got a, a word that maybe some WFO hats are coming in. So be ready for WFO gear. Shirts like this, similar to this, going to be available too. So if you really want to rep WFO uh, email me, Joe, at com, or keep watching the WFO store. Uh, Gary, that was great. Thanks, uh, Sad, for that spiller. And uh, great show today, as always. Well, thanks to all you folks out there. You guys are the best. Now, I'm going to go. I'm not going to spend a lot of time hanging out with the listeners today because we're going to be back in a couple hours. What time is it? I got 221. So, hour and a half. Four o'clock. We'll be back with Flying Ryan Ayler, and we're going to talk with Flying Ryan about his role as a disruptor. We're going to talk about the team and going in the trap, all the engine troubles, all the hard work, and they come out with a victory. How great is that? And then Erica tomorrow and Bob Tasca on Thursday. It's going to be super exciting. And to everybody who's having a good time out there today, all right, it's snowing up there in Detroit Yeah, I was uh, speaking with uh, one of our great listeners, Dave, of the uh, Dave and Amy Combo. And uh, he's telling me he's up in the Philly area and that it's cold or somewhere. It was Yesterday, I was like, it's still cold out there, man. 92 degrees, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 92 yesterday, broke records. Got a Formula One race coming. You guys see that? Not that all NHRA drag racers are into Formula One, but a whole lot of them are. Michael Heiner, and Dr. Surface, and everybody. It's going to be interesting. I uh, don't know when that race is going to be. Talked a lot about it on the Ignition podcast. So if you want to know some of the details about the track, about where it is, about the turns, about the city, about the way it all went down, check out the Ignition show. It's in the first uh, few minutes of the Ignition show. All right, everybody. We'll see you in a little bit. Hopefully, you'll all be back and you'll share, and we're going to blow this thing up big time. Flying Ryan, be on the show. Not long from now, but it's going to be Bob Tasca. It's going to be Erica Enders and Flying Ryan later on this week. Thanks, everybody. WFO.